welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. Detailers. Hey, before you listen to this episode, I really want to encourage you to do two things, right? Two very easy things that you're going to benefit from a lot. First, every Wednesday night, 7.30, hop on Zoom, use your phone, use your tablet, use whatever you want. Use meeting ID 918-800-1188 and come have a beer with detailers from around the country. Hey, nothing more better than to chill in your own couch, your own patio, wherever. We got guys that are detailing. We got guys that are sitting by the pool. They're all over. You know what? We've got even ladies from up in Canada that keep hopping on. Who knows? Who's going to be on this Wednesday, 730 Central, 918-800-1188 is the meeting ID. All right, number two, the second thing that is going to benefit you a lot is also use that number and send me a text, 918-800-1188, and let me know how I can help you. We're not sure what's coming and looming, but boy, all I know is if we can be a community together, work, chat, back and forth, then we'll all grow and continue to push forward our great detailing industry through the coming tough times. Hey, this is Marty, Total Auto Solutions. Hope you make it a great day. Hey, welcome back to another edition of Helping Young Detailers. Nick, we've got a really great episode that uh, I'm excited to hop into here in a little bit with Vinny. Uh, I met Vinny when I uh, was in Atlanta. He actually came to one of our uh, free pop-up trainings. You helped us with one in Vegas. I had a great time. Vinny came to one in Atlanta. I met him there. Uh, Mark from Firehouse has a tent shop in Atlanta. He's uh, in uh, Jacksonville, but also owns a tip shop in Atlanta where he hosted the, uh, the event. Vinny actually also put on a, uh, a cool little uh, brewery podcast. We went into Pontoon Brewery. And, uh, That's cool. Had a great time. So Vinny's a good dude. Yeah, he's, and he's been supportive of us, so we need to thank Vinny for that as well. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what's new before we hop into that? Uh, what's new with you? <laughs> what's going on in Vegas? It is, hey. uh, what's today? August 10th. August 10th. Yeah, you know, uh, it, we seem to be kind of in this status quo, right, around the country where we've just sort of, you know, operate all these places at, you know, 30, 40, 50% occupancy. Uh, restaurants and bars are still in a really weird place. Uh, I think you had an experience with that this weekend as well. Uh, but, you know, for us, business is chugging along. We usually start to see things pick up around, you know, school, you know, uh, you know, as soon as people kind of get back into the groove, no matter what it is, whether it's going to school or having school during the day, virtually, I think we're going to see the same thing for us. Uh, that's what we're banking on. And that's kind of what we're seeing now. Uh, we have some families that have kids in college and they're going to go back to, to, to at least a town that they go to college or city, they go to college. Uh, so, I mean, Right now, we're going to see how normal the marketplace is for us. We really picked up August, September, October into half of November. Uh, that's really a big push for a lot of detailers, not just us. Uh, so I think we're going to find out a lot about the detailing industry here in the next 90 days. 
That's super interesting. And I recently did a, uh, a talk where I said, listen, you, you can't really listen to people in another state because your market might be completely different. And so yeah. we, we harp on trainings all the time. And if somebody in another state is going to tell you how to do something, well, so here in Tulsa is actually the start of slow season. Got it. Around here, uh, when school starts back up, football, cheerleading, gymnastics, like all the kids stuff events happen, all the buying the stuff for back to school, all that, right? Uh, our, when we were in the car wash, that's when I would take my vacation, right? About now, uh, going into early September. These are the times we would step away here in the Midwest and through Oklahoma. It becomes the start of our slow season, actually. And I think it's clientele based, really you know, it's not only, it's not only city based, but it's clientele based. Well, you know? right. But that's what we were, that's the reason, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Somebody's clientele list might be completely different than this trainer over in this other place. that's telling you how to yeah. do it. Like they're yeah. going to teach you correction and coding, but your market might be better revolved around something different, right? Yeah. I mean, like, like, like you'll see in Arizona, like here, here's the, here's the big three for us, Palm Springs, Arizona, in Las Vegas, because it gets so hot, you know, the summer is a time when people get away mm -hmm. uh, from those places. And then they'll come back and you have these like two times a year, spring and fall, where you'll start to see an influx of, you know, money, customers, you know, people are at their house more, they're enjoying being here more. And so it, it, you're right, it's just so different. Hey, I might not want to be in upstate New York in November, but there's 10 feet of snow. Uh, you know, detailing cars, that might be difficult, but you're exactly right. It's different everywhere, but we're going to, we will Florida, really be able to judge what everything looks like. Florida, the snowbirds come down from New York, sure. right? I think that yeah, you know, there's a big funnel of people that run down there. Whether that happens this year or not, you know, I don't know if they're going to social distance themselves on their way down <laughs> or not. Who knows? Uh, yeah. So one of the interesting, I sent you a photo. There was a couple of different restaurants experiences this weekend. One photo I sent you was from a chain called Johnny Carino's. You said you never heard of them. Uh, I feel like they're a national chain, but maybe they're regional. I'm not sure. Uh, really good Italian chain style type food. Uh, still has yet to reopen from the lockdown. Uh, there's plenty of, uh, when I went to go eat, not just the story that I'm going to have to present, but when we started getting to go try and drive around to where we wanted to go eat, a lot of them were very difficult to get into. Plenty of them had closed down. Uh, most places you don't even get to go into. There's this area that you don't even go in. You have to get it ordered, right? So the story that, uh, the, the story that uh, you're talking about was, uh, well, it's, it was super interesting for me. There's a, a burger place that we like to go get burgers for, and my mom especially. So I was taking her lunch yesterday, went in to go get a burger, thought I could just run in and grab it. I get to the, the door and there's a sign that says, please wear your mask, city ordinance, blah, blah, blah. Well, you open up the door and as soon as you get to your table, you know, you walk in with your mask, but as soon as you get to your table, you take your mask off. So it was not a big deal, but you're just, it's just sort of like, well, divert, like I want to go get a mask. Okay, I got to go through. Like the barrier that it took for me as a customer makes it less easy for me to go in and grab a burger, sit down and have a beer, right? Most likely I won't do that next time. Most likely I'll call, get it to go, and, uh, and then just go about my day. And everybody's like, well, yeah, sure. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, but see the shift? 
a massive shift now. There became this barrier that didn't let me go in and enjoy my enjoy didn't my let time. you go in conveniently. Yeah, and and now there's a barrier to me going into there. I most likely won't go back, you know, uh, unless I didn't have to wear a mask because it's just yep. it's not convenient to sit down in a restaurant. So, what happens to the whole restaurant industry? Completely nothing that we know. We're detailers, but no. it's just interesting to talk back and forth about so many different things that are happening around. And then in theory, we would love to bring it back to what does that mean to us, the detailer? Well, uh, it's just, I, I think, it's crazy I, yes, I, I think the thing that you and I try to bring it back to is stop thinking of yourself as a detailer and start thinking of yourself as a business owner. That's the big thing people screw up. And so as a business owner, when you look at commercial real estate, which we don't haven't talked much on this podcast, but you and I have actually talked a lot of personally for some things we're involved in. But I want people to understand what that means. If commercial real estate has a bunch of restaurants and they aren't able to pay rent, what's going to happen to those spaces? You're going to see for lease signs, just like you saw in your neighborhoods, right? For sale, for sale, for sale. Everybody remembers 2008, 9, and 10. People need to understand as business owners, not as detailers, okay? Because everybody wants to be a detailer. You own a business. As business owners, somebody's owed that money. And then that person probably owes someone else the money and so on and so forth. So do you think banks are just going to take the hit and everything's going to be fine? Is that what we yeah. think happens here? Yeah, because banks right. are so banks are so much into giving you free shit yeah. that the banks are just going to take the hit. And so I think as a business owner, you don't have to be doom and gloom. You have to be aware. Okay. And the thing that you and I talk about a lot, personally is how unaware our industry is how unaware how they come across how unaware they are about stupid shit set online how unaware they are about how everything affects everything well here's what's going to affect you your restaurant experience is my restaurant experience i went to my first restaurant on saturday since this whole pandemic first time i sat down nothing about it i want to experience again and i'll take it a step further you said well, I'll probably order it to go. I actually believe that's not going to happen. You're just going to cook your own food at home with your family. And we're going to go back to that 1950s style where more people, that's why grocery stores really became hard up to keep up with everything. They had more people in the store now in the last six months than they had for the previous 10 freaking years. Because yeah. we went from this, we all cook at home to we all go out mentality that shift is now coming backwards. And so where does that leave the restaurant industry? Where does that leave the commercial space industry? Where does that leave your local strip mall owner? Where does that leave everybody? Well, if you common sense walk your way through this, the reason I bet Johnny Carano's didn't open up is pretty simple because I have a customer that owns a lot, a lot, a lot of bar and grills here. Guess what? They can't make money at 50% <laughs> occupancy. And so they're, they don't open things because they can't make money at 50%. So the Italian place corporately probably understood if you're going to make us do business at 50%, we can't be profitable. We can't pay everybody and make a money and make money at 50%. So it's better to just stay closed. And we are experiencing that here. We have some bigger chains here. We're seeing locally that aren't opening up all their places because 
they can't make money at 50%. And so they're artificially being punished because again, if I can take my mask off in the restaurant, why are we going through all of this? The common sense of it is I think what we're trying to get at. We don't want to make this political, Marty. We've, we've stated that you know privately and I'll state it here, but we're starting to lose common sense in the world and it's a really depressing thing to watch, but there's also going to be a ramification of this financially we just don't know where, when or, or how it's going to look exactly. Yeah, and the ramifications, let's, let's, let's chat briefly about that and how it affects us as detailers. Once again, we don't know, right? We have not foreseen into the future. That's, that's not our gifts. Nick actually does have a really great person in Vegas that you can go to. If you are over that way, he'll lead you there, right? Down off that street, you know, has a little sign. You know, I think so. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the, uh, it's definitely in Vegas, though, right? Like, uh, all the other ones are fake. Yeah, uh, only this one. <laughs> so, but a lower, it, it, we, can al- we can already say it's a, it's a, a less uh, growing economy, right? Uh, yep. The gross national product down 30 plus percent. Uh, yep. All the visual signs of everything starting to close, so many issues, right? So, mm-hmm. like you had mentioned, us as business owners that have a detailing business, right? That's yep. we're business owners that detail cars, um, yep. clean cars, however you want to put it. How would we, seeing these things happen, hearing what's going on, how should we? look, adapt, change, uh, give, give two rips about, there's plenty of people that still don't care. Yeah. Life's great. I'm booked out six weeks. Yeah. Could be that way. Life's great for us as a business today. I mean, you know, I've told you we had a record. Our biggest month was in the middle of the pandemic in June. Uh, I, I understand that mindset and look, we're, we're grabbing every penny we can. So you shouldn't worry about, today and book and work. Book as much work, take every piece of work you can get, don't turn a thing down. But now it's the question of what do I do with my money? If something is coming, the only thing you can do is stockpile money as a business. There is no other defense. Like you're not gonna magically become some kind of Bitcoin whiz and go <laughs> you know, make a million dollars if you haven't been doing Bitcoin, right? Like it, that's not gonna happen. So you gotta just buckle down as a business sort of a common sense approach right now is let me stack some cash. Okay. Uh, we just talked about eating out. It's not that fun anyway, right now. Don't eat out. You know, uh, don't buy all the shoes you used to buy. Don't go do this. Don't go every penny you can save into your business, save it because I can guarantee you the banks are going to tighten money when commercial real estate starts to fail. And if people don't believe me, go research 2008. This is identical just on a bigger note scale. The Mall of America, which is the biggest commercial note, they've already defaulted. Like a month They've ago. already defaulted. Yeah. Okay? And there's a ramification down the line. So don't, you know, don't take my word for it. Don't think that I'm right or some economic expert. I just pay attention. Marty, I send you stuff all the time. It's not because I think that stuff helps me as a business today. It's awareness. And so many guys are worried about the Rupes polisher, the Flex polisher, this pad, that pad, and they've never even thought about their business. <laughs> all, all that they keep doing is the same thing over and over again that we see in this industry, and they're gonna get hammered hard. 
I mean, you and I can guess about, I don't know, 10 people that we know that own shops, five most likely won't make it through the next economic recession, whether it's this right now or something else causes it, who knows, but you know, you got to start saving money and you got to put yourself in a position to say, okay, I'm having a great time now. I'm going to gobble up every dollar, but I'm going to save like I haven't been saving ever before just because I don't know what's going to come and it could come so rapidly that you could go from six week booked out to, to no week booked out uh, overnight. I mean, you don't know how catastrophic this can be. You don't know how uh, it may not be catastrophic at all. Right. It may not be anything, but there's nothing wrong or nothing negative about having money on hand, preparing for an uneasy time coming out of this pandemic. So that's the only thing you can do as a business owner. Uh, make sure you're running lean. You and I have talked about that before on here. Make sure everything makes sense, that you're doing everything that makes sense, that you're cutting costs where it makes sense to do that. Uh, but real simply, Marty, if you look around and banks finance stuff and they're starting to lose money, you can be sure that we're all going to start to lose sooner or later. Those people don't lose long term. They've been around for a zillion years. Yeah. So eventually the river does uh, some places that we like to go fish. Eventually the river, the stream might, uh, might dry up and we might have to move down the street or go find a new area. I mean, there's, there could be, or, you know, I, there's plenty of people. Uh, I know uh, there's people up towards the Northeast that even though there's a lot of COVID issues, you know, the economy up there still seems to be doing well in some bubble areas and they're just still exploding. So, you know, it's, it's not a guarantee over the whole country, but it's just putting your back pocket young detailers who have not been in business through the past recession and have only been in business the past five to eight years, then you don't know what it's like. And so you really, you really just listen. Okay. At this point in time, go ahead and listen and do, do as, as suggested, it would be one of the best things for you uh, as a business owner. But Nick, do we, do we pull back? Like we're going to save and stockpile, but if there's, We've talked about too, right? If there's opportunities, right? And especially in times like this, there can become an opportunity. Yeah. How how do we how do we juggle that? So so I got offered a business to buy and de a detailing business here was closing down. Uh, didn't have their finances together. I couldn't really assess the business. Very typical, you know, for those that have never been through that process. Make sure your financials make sense. You never know when you might have a family emergency need to sell your business. It can come in handy. Uh, make sure you do that. I know a lot of people will never listen to that, but trust me, you know, this guy probably left 30 or 40 or $50,000 on the table that he could have sold his company for. Uh, but, you know, here's an example. He had a bunch of equipment. We bought it. You know, we bought it at a steep discount uh, because he needed the money. And so these things will start showing themselves more and more. Uh, you should always take, if you're in a good position financially, you should always take, you know, being able to purchase something pennies on the dollar uh, very seriously because that can propel your business way beyond uh, anything else, which is purchasing things, purchasing clientele, purchasing businesses. If you're in that position, we realize a lot, that's a really small part of our industry, uh, but you should want to get there. And so to your point, 
what if a business opportunity presents itself today? Well, I would say if you weren't a big saver in your business, you're probably not going to be able to take advantage of it uh, because you don't have any money. You know, one of the best kept secrets in our industry that we never talk about, and I believe, Marty, our next, our really biggest series we're going to do is start to be the first people in our industry to talk finances. And so I want to give people why we're going to do that. I want to give people a, a moment here in time. You can't take advantage of things in business without money. The best kept secret in business. You know what's sweet in business? Lots of money. And it isn't about your business necessarily making money. Marty, you and I have talked about some successful car washes and successful businesses we know that operate completely on debt. So it's not about, hey, you got to wait. There's options. I'm not telling you what options right, but we're going to discuss the options. So to your point, the original question here, do I think you should move forward right now? Hell yeah. And so people know, so I don't pull any punches. We're going to go all chips to the middle if things hit the fan over here. And I'm going to try to purchase everything that I can. But I've been waiting for this day. And I, I sacrifice a lot to get there financially. You know, I don't buy the newest shoes. I don't, you know, I don't do any of that. Um, so if you're in a position to do things now, hell yeah, you should be doing them. Should you stretch right now and go beyond your means? uneasy times, I wouldn't stretch beyond my means. But if you have the money to buy someone's business who's who's struggling and get to a client base you don't have, hell yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to pull back during these times. So I can't tell people to pull back. What I can tell you is if you take this as a learning experience that you weren't able to take advantage of a, of a downtime, be ready for the next downtime because it'll come in your business ownership. And you'll be you'll be good to go. But yeah, Marty, I'm not going to tell people to pull back. I, I think that's bad advice. But if you're not in the don't have the ability financially to move forward, then you just got to stay put, wade through it, you know, and, and do the best you can. And I think that's where most people are going to fall. Some people are going to be already over leveraged and they're going to go out of business. Right. I mean, that's that's if you have debt right now, you should be real nervous. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, we will hop into some real talk with uh, Vinny from uh, Atlanta. Super excited about the episode coming up. Uh, Nick, as always, thank you so much for the time that you take out to, uh, to help young detailers. If uh, detailers want to reach out and ask you a question or just say, hey, man, uh, how's the weather? Uh, what, where do they uh, reach out and find you at? Yeah, Vegas.rides uh, on all platforms. Most people are DMing. Uh, feel free. Uh, we do get a lot of emails, nick at vegasrides.com. Marty, we get a lot of cool stuff and people that have really included us and, hey, check this out. Hey, look at this video. Hey, look at what this guy is doing. Hey, what do you think about this? Keep them coming, man. We All we're trying to do here is give information. And uh, I can't thank everyone enough for the for the emails and DMs. It's pretty cool, man. It's really cool. Cool. Awesome. Uh, you can find us at Total Auto Solutions. Uh, look us up on the Pints of Polishing Podcast. Shoot me a text, 918-800-1188. Uh, any of those questions, too, would be awesome. If you're in the Florida area, we will be having a uh, free pop-up training. Already getting a lot of great feedback on that. It'll be August 29th at Justin Lobato's shop. So uh, if you're in the Florida area, we'll see you there. Nick. Thanks as always, man. And uh, stay tuned for Vinny from uh, Overalls Detail. Thanks, bro. Thank you, sir. Ooh.
welcome to another edition of Helping Young Detailers. We are right in the middle of a series where uh, we are talking to detailers that have started in that $15, $20, $25 range. Nick, I know we had a great discussion last week, so super thankful for you hopping back on again. Uh, Nick, I don't know about you, but I'm super curious to want to know if it is really hot Lana over in Atlanta, <laughs> how is Vinny wearing a hoodie and sweatpants in the middle of summer? It's now August 10th. What's it like in Vegas? Because here in Tulsa, it's like 100 degrees. In hot yeah. Atlanta, it must be down in the 50s, I would say. Yes, but, you know, just, just curious what your thoughts are. Hey, it's it's a hundred and something here. I mean, yeah. we're we're always there, so we're we're just like everyone else. I, Vinny must be in a different planet here. Yeah, you know, Vinny. I mean, we're I'm a big fan of the bulldogs, right? I mean, I got a bulldog myself, but just really curious, oh, yeah. man. I mean, you got the blankets, uh, you got the hoodie. You know, what's what's up? Well, I am a I am a diehard uh, hey, bulldog, yeah. uh, but it is it is really hot outside. But my wife keeps the house pretty cold. So, so uh, either I complain or I put a hoodie on, you know? That's true. I hear you. I love hoodies, so I don't mind it at all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame <laughs> you. I'm ready for the fall. But it is super hot outside. Yeah. Uh, Nick, with the, uh, the girlfriend and her status, uh, how are we doing on the cold, uh, cold air there? You know, as it gets hotter, it's, is that AC going up, up, up? <laughs> hey, it's cold, man. We're, yeah. we're uh, you know, we're cranking it over here. But like I said, we actually had it, you know, for us, if you get down below, like if you get to the 105, it's actually not bad in Vegas and that's where we're at. So we're not, we're not really experiencing, you know, that prolonged 115 degrees that we normally do. So, Hey, no complaints over here. Things are going Man, well. We had a chill week last week in like the, the 85s to nineties. It was pretty unbelievable. So, Hey, uh, Vinny, uh, enough about the weather, man. Let's hop right into it. You know, you've been on the podcast a couple of times. We hung out when I was over there in Atlanta at, uh, man, we did a lot of fun stuff. We, uh, well, we had some trainings. We, uh, we drank some beer at a really good brewery. Uh, he put together an event, uh, one of our uh, little episodes, and we went up to the Pontoon Brewery and drank some beers, had a really good discussion. Uh, you know, really great to have some discussion back and forth with you now on where your business is, but give us a 30 seconds, right? Give us a 30 second, you know, who is Vinny? Uh, tell us about your business, how you got started, all that. Uh, uh, I'm Vinny. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I'm 30, just turned 30. Uh, I grew up um, here in Atlanta, came from Brazil when I was 10. Um, I ran track in college, ran track professionally for a little bit. And once that was over, I started what was Lima Details. Uh, detailing or car washing out of uh, my little 99 Coyote, uh, Toyota Corolla that I, I didn't even know how it was making it. What year did you um, start? I started Lima Auto Detail probably in, in, in 2015, maybe. That's cool. But that was just, you know, just I was I, I was an extremely lazy 2015, person. what was your first price? like 25 bucks oh no i had i had it i had a um just a exterior wash and a back for for 19 19.99 yeah so 19.99 you got an exterior wash uh what what were your other packages 
um that was it that was it for uh for a long time that was it i didn't um before before that well that's how i started moving right um but no, I, I get I, it but what were you so you had that what were your other packages what else did you have when you went to oh yeah i had i had a i had um i did a a dealer package which is pretty much what i was doing i was going to these different dealers and i would polish for 80 bucks so I would do all of that and then polish for eighty bucks, which um, I'm pretty sure they got they got what they paid for because <laughs> oh, I wasn't yeah. that good back then. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely, definitely. That's cool, man. We're we're super happy to have you hop on for this uh, because we are talking about that exact style, right? Like how you got started. I myself was at that fifteen twenty dollar range. Uh, would as quickly as I could try and move a customer up to 35 bucks. And if I could get a customer at 35, I was super happy. So man, I'm right there with you, man. I started in that same little, little grind. Uh, so when, when you start that way, you know, what was your mindset? Why did you stay that low? And how long did it take you to ramp your sales up to get a little bit more? Well, uh, it didn't take long at all. I I, I have a I also in, in between that I have a background of uh, of dealership. So I I went to a bunch of dealerships. Um, uh, when Lima Detail originally started on the weekends, you know I would do it on the weekends. I would do it some days where I wasn't at the dealership, but I would be at different dealerships, uh, used car dealerships, and that's kind of like how I started learning. And then I just went back full time at the dealership because I wasn't good. And I needed to learn, so I started, you know, learning. Because at, at the dealership, you can really mess up and and, and just keep working, you know. Um, yeah, right. A lot of people hate on dealerships, but that's exactly right. You know, Nick, I know you're you're biting at the chops to 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 hop in and talk about that because that's exactly what you tell yep. people to do: go get a yep. job and work your craft a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I worked at I worked at a wholesaler. You know, so it was it was like dealer on steroids. This guy was moving hundreds and hundreds of cars a week through the auction. And he was probably one of the, looking back, one of the biggest in the Midwest. And uh, I think Vinny hit it on the head. You can make a lot of deal. You can make a lot of mistakes. And those mistakes don't cost you. They cost someone else. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you own your business, and this is why I see a lot of young guys get in trouble with, no experience, you know, can really be a death sentence. Doesn't mean it's for everybody. But a lot of people fail because of no experience, and it's a great spot to start. I mean, volume work will make you better very, very quickly. Right. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think, right, I think so that's really what made me be able to jump my price point because once I, fig once I was uh, started figuring out different things that I, that I uh, was doing that I knew that I needed to charge more, like uh, – like polishing and I got into learning how to wet sand and learning about paint um, and learn and, and and getting deeper into it then then it, it immediately jumped you know I I don't think I ever had the 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 hundred dollar detail on my own because from that point to dealership right when I was ready to quit I I, I was already at the the 150 199 250 detail range because I already you know I already knew what the customer was getting before then I had no experience so uh, um, really they were giving me twenty dollars to to vacuum and maybe not mess up their car yeah so 
what was it about the dealership that made you decide to just go ahead and jump ship and go out on your own? What were those moments like when you were deciding, hey, you know, do I take that plunge now? I feel like I got experience, but still a little unsteady. You know, what, what was it about that finally made you to make that jump? Um, I, two variables. One was I started making more in the weekends than I was making my whole week working from, you know, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. when I knew that I, 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 it was just math. I know that I can translate. I'm making 150 bucks here uh, on the weekends. If I can translate that to 150 bucks every day, which at that point I thought I could, um, then that was better than the 80, 90 buck range that I was getting from the dealership. So it was really a no brainer at that point. But I did get to the point where I was making more. I also had a restaurant job um, that I was using to pay for my wedding. Um, and I had to be there at four every day. So um, it got to the point where I was having to ask to leave at four on Tuesdays and Wednesdays or whatever it was. And eventually all of that commotion of having to be under someone um, and kind of knowing the back of my head that I really didn't need to anymore, it, it made me jump ship. Um, pretty, pretty much uh, because I knew I could make something work here already. I, I, it was, it was uh, inevitable. Nick, was there something with you that caused the jump or was it like that where you slowly were just getting worn and then you just were like, fuck it, I can't do this yeah. anymore? Yeah, you know, the thing for me was, uh, I was just at that point, you know, I'd put in 12 years, uh, you know, working, whether it would be exactly full-time, which is how I started out, then I was doing it part-time. I, I think one of the things that, that Vinny said there that is so crucial for people to take away from is that he built up detailing more than his day job. Mm -hmm. And then there is no jump, right? Now you're just in a flow. Now you can just go and tack it. You're not taking this big financial hit at home, whatever. Um, this is why I, I push that because you can, you basically get a free run at it, right? When you, when you are doing it on the side, you get a free run to see if you can make it work. And pretty quickly, you know, 12 to 24 months, you should be surpassing your day job and then you can take the leap. If you're three, four, five, six years deep and you haven't surpassed your day job, hey man, this is just a good side gig for you. No harm in that. But jumping ship at that point when you've never made more money at it, I think it's where guys get in trouble. But that's why I promote day job, do it on the side, uh, because Vinny described perfectly, hey, once I get to break even, hey, let's go. Now oh, yeah. can run. I think that's a beautiful moment too, because once you can make that happen, and if you, you know, a lot of detailers are detailers uh, either because they love cars or because it's a low startup cost business and they have an entrepreneurial mind. And I had, a, 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 I'm a, I have an entrepreneurial mind. So once I figured out that I can have a day job and from that have a side thing, then you know, eventually when your detailing becomes your day job, you can create countless so, sites. So Vinny, how many years did that take? Uh, it, well, it's still happening, <laughs> uh, but it, it, it probably about, I'm in my fourth year now of being on my own. Um, no, uh, wrong question, I apologize. Uh, how long did it take for you uh, working at the dealership to then make your own jump? 
Oh, um, oh, it took a couple of years. Yeah. Okay, a couple of years. And then so you had said that you were working full time and then detailing on the weekends. Yes. So how many hours a week were you putting in? Um, oh, man, I don't know. I, I, I mean, if I had to put, I don't know if I had to put a number in it, but I was working Saturdays and Sundays pretty much consistently. Well, but I mean, if you were 40 to 45 at a regular job and another 10, I mean, you're 50 to 55 oh, no. hours. Yeah, yeah, I'm from 50 to 60 hours for sure. Yeah, easily. Uh, Nick, do you think that's a, a hesitant for a lot of guys? Is to, oh, yeah. You know, because after you've, it, after you've yeah. worked so hard during the week, to then yeah. go work the whole weekend and not get a break? I mean, that, yeah. that's extremely Look, difficult. I, I have advised a few people to do this recently and have actually shown them how I turned six figures on the weekend. Okay, I actually laid the plan, showed them the financials of exactly what I did. And you start to get a lot of hesitation. It's like, you did what on the weekend? It's like, yeah. Well, then you went to work on Monday? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the hesitation, Marty. I mean, when you're talking about, for me, when I was doing on the weekend, when Friday hit, all the way to Sunday, because I was doing Concord-level details, I, I was until 8, 9 o'clock on Sunday night and then back to work. So I try to tell people, you know, there is a six-figure route to have a day job and be a detailer. I've actually shown some people recently, some guys that are trying to do it on the side, exactly the formula that I use. And the time comes up, Marty. Well, when am I supposed to do this? Or when am I supposed to do that? It's like, yeah, that's, that's the difference maker. That's the uh, difference. So many guys want to do it, but very few guys actually want to do it. It's, it's hard, man. It's hard to motivate yourself and you, you got to find it, you know, in yourself or find it externally. You know, you got to learn what works for you. I have a weakness, which is working like late at night. That's why I hated the restaurant. I, I hate, I hate that shit. I hate working at night. I, it, it depresses me to have to work through the day and then work at night. Um, so I had to figure out a way to, to work on it because I knew that it was needed. Right. But once you work on it and it's needed, you're going to get to a point where it's no longer needed, then you can enjoy it. But you got to go through it. You gotta, All right, you so Vinny, let's dive into your business work. now. Uh, I'm guessing now you're saying you don't work nights and weekends is kind of what I heard right there. So, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, nights. I don't work nights. I don't work nights. <laughs> I don't work nights, but I do work weekends. Uh, I don't like to work on Sundays, but I, I usually have to. You know what I'm saying? It's I usually weekend. have to. Yeah. yeah. Weather in Georgia it really affects your plan to not work on Sundays. You know, yeah. um, I have some clients that you got to just move on with it. Yeah. But business I, is good. I, you know, I agree, too. I think you need at least a day. I mean, the, the most you can take a day, the better your body will end up being long term. But there are plenty. Right. Nick, I did it, too. I did it for a fucker. I worked for a guy and worked seven days a week trying to open a chain of car washes and literally work seven days a week for that fucker. So yeah. uh, I get it. You know, I'm, I, I generally work seven days a week now anyway. I just happen to be able to take a Sunday to be more inside and not, you know, not as, not, not as, much, not as much rough on your body that way. I'm just telling you, as you get to old fucker status like me and Nick, uh, it really does take a – take a wear on you. So, 
Well, uh, that's why it's so important to build your business properly too, Marty. I mean, that's what we should say. You know, if you're 25, you know, if that's 20, if you're 25, what you should be looking at is how by 30 am I doing less and how have I hired people and how, you know, too many guys are looking at the here and now and their problems and they're not seeing, Hey, there's actually bigger problems to fry here. How are you going to get out of the everyday grind out of the everyday cleaning of wheels, et cetera. And Marty, you and I have come across a lot of people that are really successful that are still holding the polisher, but that's really rough on your body. And now you're directly tra trading time for money. Uh, and that's not to me really running a business. Uh, if you look at the definition of it. Yeah. Agreed. Hey, so Vinny, let's do some quick, uh, Q and A's. Let's hop into where you're at and how you got there. Uh, just so my mind will go back to it. So now you're, you were two years into the, uh, the dealership and then did you say three or four since then? Oh, uh, it's four now. So, so I learned to detail in college. You know, um, as I was coming back in summers, I had to learn how to do something. I came back and I did Lima Auto Detail, then spent a couple of years at different dealerships um, and jump ships. So now is my fourth year of what overall was Lima Detail. Now it's overalls detail. Um, I, at, a, at a certain point there, I decided I had to completely rebrand. I hate the idea of having my name on it or, or a name I needed. I knew I needed a rebrand. And I needed, I wanted, I knew I wanted to go the brand route. So that's what really I've been working on is creating a brand while detailing. Um, and uh, we just were opening up a shop now. Um, mobile is doing um, awesome. Uh, so it's, it's, it's about growing. Um, I'm a little. How many unique. guys do you have? Two. Yeah. So, so we're, you know, um, not a huge operation, but I'm the way my mind works is I'm not so so uh, focused on growing overalls immediately because I know that organically throughout time it will. I have different avenues I'm going with it as well. We're adding cleaning services because that's what I grew up with. Uh, my parents uh, to this day have a 20 year old cleaning service company that does you know residential properties and commercials. So we're opening up different wings. Uh, here and there. Um, so uh, it's about how much time can I get away from detailing so I can work on other stuff really where my mind's at. Um, All right, so four years in and you're, you're, you're basically, right, because you had said before, you're entrepreneurial thinking, right? I'm the same way. Right. I get into stuff and I start trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I do this? Um, led me down a wild goose chases of anything from cell phone stores. I own four cell phone stores in South Carolina. We were gonna open a lice business, removal business. I mean, I jumped into a bunch of different things. Uh, Nick, when, when you hear a guy that's going into four years of uh, his business and um, you know, he's, he's wanting to do these other stuff, I, I go, hell yeah, Vinny. I mean, that's, that's the way I am too, right? I let my mind wander and go chase things and go chase ideas and go try and figure if I can do things out. Uh, but there's a bit of difference, I think, in uh, entrepreneurs and then yeah. detailers in a sense. So yep. Nick, what's, what's your thought process? Uh, my thought process is I didn't mind investing my capital in other businesses. Um, I didn't want to take 
huge energy away from my main business. What I see a lot of guys doing now is uh, side hustle has become the word. Uh, If you look at that energy, if your main hustle isn't making several hundred thousand dollars a year, then why are you off on the side hustle? It doesn't make sense. Work on your main hustle until it's extremely lucrative and and, and, I, and then invest in things with the capital you're earning from your main business. But I see, I see a lot of taking energy away. Okay. Yeah, I'm so taking energy to put it into another one. Let's answer that yep. question. Let me go first. Like, so I immediately hopped into concrete cleaning, fence cleaning, deck cleaning, I hopped into wherever I could use my power washer because I just felt here in Tulsa, I didn't have enough clientele to sustain me because the weather can be so crazy, uh, because you know it's 2002, people weren't spending large amounts of money on getting their vehicles cleaned, especially through the Midwest, right? These are all gonna be excuses of why I did it, but that was just the theory that I had. I didn't think that I could fully sustain myself just on mobile detailing. So if I could use my equipment to do other things, then to me, it I, made for the business. I think, that's a, I think that's a startup issue though. When you're starting up, we all do everything to survive. What you should be graduating to, and I think you've proven this with your company now, you and I have had a bunch of conversations about focus. The minute you become more focused, the better Total Auto Solutions does. Mm. Uh, when you become less focused, you, you find, oh, okay, you know, I took some time down this rabbit hole. You know what, I gotta come back to Total Auto Solutions. I came back, you guys have a record month, whatever. So I, I think, we've all been where you just described, where we're just trying to grab money because we're, we're, we're starting, okay? And that's very natural. But once you kind of get, and this is why I use year two. If you're to year two, your detailing business should be sustaining itself. It's a service-based business. It should spread by word of mouth, online advertising, et cetera, pretty rapidly if you're good at what you do and you provide a service that people want. The next part of it is, I see guys in these very early stages taking all this time to do something else. You are putting your equipment to use. What I hear a lot of side guys doing or side hustles now, guys are, uh, you know, selling clothes on the internet. Guys are doing, you know, trading this or trying to go do this. It has nothing to do with their equipment sitting idle, which is a great idea. If your equipment's sitting idle and you can make money on your equipment, there's no issue with that as a startup. But I feel like guys are misinterpreting side money. Side money, when you talk to people that are way more successful than, than, than I am, they are, they got their main business and then they're taking capital from their main business, investing in something else, but they're not investing their time in something else. They're taking their money from their main, they're putting it into other things that may earn them money uh, without them having to work in that said business that they invested in. And, and I just see the energy of guys going in 50 different directions. And, and I don't see how that ends up in huge success in your main business, uh, because I know how much effort it takes. Yeah, I could definitely say that as, as that business continued to grow, wave washing is, was my mobile detailing business. And, and as one avenue continued to go, then I got this one going, we got deck cleaning, we got restaurant cleaning, we had all these different ones. It became a moment where, as we kept growing as a business, I had to start deciding which avenue I wanted to head down for my main business. And, and I did kind of ring in the, the ropes a little bit. We consolidated yeah. some stuff. I, 
I did away with some accounts, I actually got rid of the, the whole uh, concrete cleaning and all that business when I went into the car wash. So there was a moment where I went, okay, I have all these side things going on, but you're right. I mean, even back then it was like, okay, I need to focus down. So Vinny, when, when you hear those thoughts, right? Like by no means do we want to say you got to do something, but just when, when you're thinking through it and you're year four and you, you've realized how hard it's come for you to get to here, why do you feel the need to go out and start all these different things and not just keep trying to grow into the next and keep going? Like, what is it about? Oh, oh, that's, I mean, that's simple. And I definitely understand Nick. Uh, and if, if, uh, if my goal was to make overalls and a, a, a huge um, enterprise that's, you know, like Nick has at Vegas rides, then, then I would, I mean, my, don't get me wrong. My time is about 80% on overalls. I know where my focus should be and my focus is there. Um, and um, the other things that I'm doing, um, they're very uh, meticulously planned out. And I do a lot of art outsourcing with people that I trust um, because I understand that my bread and butter is overalls detail. I think that, um, um, a, a certain thing too that people have to remember um, is that um, detailing might not be uh, what I want. Detailing might be just my next day job that's going to funnel uh, something that I might jump ship, which I know I won't. I'll have overall detail for as long as I can have it and I'll keep growing it. But that's, that's not even my, my main goal, right? Um, but I know that it's something that is too great and too profitable. But Benny, how old are you? I just turned 30. So what's your, if I'm just, I'm still trying to go back to just the theory, right? Like you struggled for so long, uh, your four years, why still though, I mean, I get it that you're saying it's not the overall thing that you're wanting to do. So at 30, are you feeling the pressure then to- oh, no. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. I'm feeling the I'm feeling the excitement of the time we live in right now. Um, and it, it's a time that um, that I I'm a creator. I figured out by creating overalls detail that I am in love with creating things. And and another and to answer Nick as well, um, the reason I would like to branch out and um, is because if I don't, then there is no overalls detail. Like I need to be motivated. And my motivation is to create other things, to create things that I love. I'm no longer um, motivated by my income. My income that decides where I go and how um, strategically I go there. Um, for that, I need to produce a certain amount of income to keep me and my households comfortable. However, other than that, I am in love with creating and my life focus together with my wife, I think we've been uh, very together on this, is creating things. Whether okay. they make billion dollars or whether they make me $30 a month. Sounds uh, good. I, yeah, I would go into the theory where I say, hey, you know, take, it's actually something we've been talking about. I, I did a, a free talk, uh, Free Thought Friday on and, and Motivation Monday on spending time creating and as an entrepreneur we you know we should spend time thinking and creating and doing stuff like that uh i 
I just, I, I also would love to know what is it like with two people on your team? What are you guys looking like as a company? Uh, you know, you said you just moved into a new shop. So let's, let's move away from, you know, what else you've been doing on the other side? Like why the opportunity now for a shop on mobile? What are you going to do as a company on, you know, why did you go invest into a shop? You know, walk us through those, those thought processes. What were you trying to do here? Um, well, mainly because um, we, we are growing, growing rapidly and, um, and uh, our, you know, as, as the detailer world gets more into coatings, um, we've gotten a lot more into coatings as well. Um, and uh, we need a, a place that is, that, you know, you can perform as, as best as you can. Um, and a, a play, a, a shop is, is that I can't do it mobily. Um, I cannot uh, do it mobily when it comes to, you know, some high ticket items and also to start being, to start sitting down, just like you guys were talking about, um, you know, uh, being a certain age and still holding the polisher. You know, I definitely don't want to do that. So it's also about me starting to migrate and putting actual trust, which is very hard for me, putting trust into guys and being like, okay, this is, this is, you know, my baby, but now you can go out and do my mobile here and that, and now hang back here more and do some, yeah, you know, I think uh, strategically it's growing. So uh, there's like a previous message to you, like there's no right or wrong answers. We literally just want to have an open discussion to try and figure out why some people do certain things. Uh, so I, I totally get that, man. It's a, it's an opportunity that you've got to take that risk and take that chance to jump out there. There's a lot of things you can do out of a shop. Uh, you know, but Nick, Nick runs a full mobile service. So Nick, we have talked back and forth on, uh, you know, these different ideas of, you know, what's the model, which model to choose. How do you choose this model versus the other? So what are your thoughts on somebody that's super young? Let's talk through, uh, you know, why somebody might choose one model over the other in some just some some actual practicalities of it too so we can all toss ideas back and forth. yeah so you know when i started i had the opportunity to do i had saved up to do whatever i wanted to do and i had to make a business decision and i've always said the same thing about the shop model and you marty you and i've actually sat down with certain people in the same room and heard about rent increases and being backed into corners and you know, a lot of people don't understand the commercial real estate market is really cutthroat. Uh, landlords aren't responsible for very much. It's like owning your own building without getting any of the benefit. So I give the same so, piece So of what advice. Nick is saying there, uh, Nick helped me. We were, we had to renegotiate our contract here. Yeah. And uh, so I reached out to him multiple times about some stuff in the contract. I, yeah. you know, my previous contract didn't have all this in it. Now I'm responsible for an AC unit that might be what 10 grand 20 20,000 20, 20, yeah. uh, I'm responsible for every single thing in this place yeah it's not like renting a house or an apartment and that's where guys get get confused as they hear the word rent and they're like well I've rented an apartment well this is a whole different ball game commercial landlords are not responsible for anything doesn't matter what you believe doesn't matter what your uncle told you people that have commercial real estate experience will tell you the same thing you're on the hook for 99.9% .9 of things that happen in your space. So I always tell guys the same thing. There's no problem in renting a space. 
But within five years, if you don't own your shop, huge mistake, huge mistake. If you're, if you're starting your shop to then eventually own the building, now you can start having financial benefit of taking care of the building, which you're going to be doing anyway. So not only that, you get all kinds of tax benefits and there's, there's a real way to grow your business. So if you're going to go into the shop model, which again, I decided against because I wanted to be as convenient as I could for my clientele. And I believe in that. And we, we really hold to that in my business. That doesn't mean that's everybody's belief. That's certainly okay. But the shop model guys get really, really put behind the eight ball because of leases that they don't understand. So Marty, the piece of advice I would give to anybody going into the shop model, hire an attorney, hire a real estate attorney, have them look at the lease before you sign it, pay the money. If you're worried about that thousand or 1500 or 2,500 bucks to the attorney, you can't afford the shop period. End of story. And Marty, I gave you the same piece of advice that I've given a bunch of people. We just have to you know, encourage guys, these landlords are not your friend. I've done a lot of stuff with commercial real estate, Marty, like I told you, and it's to the T exactly what you went through. They just back you into corners. You don't have any say in what's going on. It's really difficult to negotiate because they're some of the most unreasonable people on the planet because their thought is, I have the space. You know, you don't want to be here, I'll find somebody. Whether they're right or wrong with the next coming recession is remaining to be seen. But to me, the shop model is so dependent on you controlling your future in that, in that building that I just don't think guys talk about it enough. Yeah. Vinny thoughts. Um, you know, I, I never thought of stuff like that when we moved in here or when we went into places, I never thought about that. It, uh, I, I, I just literally wonder how many guys moving from mobile into a shop understand the liability that could happen to their business. What do you think? What is it? Is yeah, but I've, seen, I've, I've, I've just experienced some of that, you know, um, uh, in, in these first couple months where we were getting things ready and set up, ran into a lot of roadblocks with the landlord. Um, and um, I, I looked at it from the point where, okay, well, this is how I learned. This is how I learned. I can hear guys warn you all the time, but I, kn I knew I wanted a shop at some point. My, I, I very much understand that my business is still 90% mobile um, and it probably will continue that way. Um, um, and um, well, what were you doing? I, you I am cognitive of these hurdles. I am cognitive of these hurdles, and I, and, uh, and um, we'll get to it. Well, uh, you were you doing it out of your house? No, no. I'm. I. I uh, so I've always been mobile. Uh, within the past. Uh, I, I know, I'm not asking the right question. Uh, did you when you left to go do mobile? Did you start out of your house? Uh, no. Okay. No, no. I went straight from from the dealership to the to the to the to mobile. I'm still not asking the question right. Uh, no, are you doing? Were you doing any work out of your garage, like no, no. job? When when you meet your guys or when you go, you basically are clocking in. You're going to go to your first appointment. Are you leaving from your house? Like the van is it stored yeah. at yeah. your yeah. house? That's yeah. what. It, yeah, I just I wasn't asking the question right. Um, so you know, Nick. Do you rent a space? No, or, my guys nope, take so the trucks home. 
your guys take the trucks home. So here's one thought that, you know, might have to think about for mobile detailer guys is, you know, I just know this from experience. DJ ran into a moment where, you know, he was running it all out of his house and he had multiple trucks going out, but then his guys were coming back to his house, you know, to refill, to redo this. And it started to become a, uh, I got new people coming in and everybody's knows where I live. They know how to yep. get like, so under that theory, I can understand why somebody might, you know, need a place to create a hub that they can go in and out of. So Vinny, are you now running your mobile unit? Are they launching out of then the yeah. shop? Like you go into the yeah. shop first and then you go out. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Unless I, unless I'm, I'm leaving, unless I go mobile, then, then I, I just, you know, I can leave from my house, but, but nobody's coming to my house. Uh, uh, even if I ha uh, am taking one of my guys, I am picking them up. Right. Uh, yeah, but um, I mean, not that they can't come to my house. It's just so we don't create an environment like that. I think I think with every company, you have to create an environment that you want it to be followed when you're not around. Um, and it starts with, with little things like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's an answer to that question. It's just literally something that a young detailer should think about. You know, if they're going to yep. add in extra people to a mobile unit, where do they meet up? Do they come to your house? Yeah. Do they go to a shop? You know, whatever. So we won't spend too much time on that. Let's move on. Um, and let's go over, right? Let's, let's, let's rethink through. So you're four, wait, two years in a dealership, three years in a dealership, uh, four years now on your own, um, now into a shop uh what uh what do you think is the next step right how do you how do you go from right you're creative so walk us through uh a young guy so you're 30 you started out this way you've continued to grow now where do you go from here yes yeah, so now i think uh uh, now that we start getting comfortable at, in the space, I want to get some more mobile units out. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with Nick. I love the, the brick and mortar for my own comfortability, um, but, I, but I, I am in love with the mobile model, uh, and I will keep investing in the mobile model until that consist, can sustain my dream of building my own shop um, uh, um, or buying my own building. Um, and then uh, we'll evolve from there. But I think uh, from now on, after we settle down to the building and and get some uh, get some comfortability in there in the day to day and the in the in the numbers, uh, and I definitely am investing completely after that. No more shops, but more um, mobile units. Mobile is the way to go. Yeah. All right, Nick. Want to know your thoughts on uh, on the direction and just in your opinion, what do you think would be a, a good step? Look, I, I've always loved the hybrid model. If guys want to have a shop, you know, the only thing I bang against the shop, you know, owners in this industry is how are you servicing after the fact? You know, if you're doing all these coatings and you're charging people all this money, but you don't think you have to maintain their car, I, I think it's a flaw in the business. And so, it, it, you know, we've always cheered on the hybrid model, Marty, for the last year. Uh, you know, essentially, I'm a very hybrid model, but I just don't have a, a shop. Um, you know, we do every service. It just happens to be, you know, we do it at people's houses. But I, I'm, I'm a huge fan if the hybrid model is where a guy like Vinny or a young guy watching this 
the hybrid model is terrific. The thing you can't do, it doesn't matter if it's me or you or anybody, is go get underwater in a shop and then put stress on your mobile business. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're, you're, you, you've made a decision that's, that's jeopardized everything you've worked for. And, and, and again, I'm not saying, you know, every guy does that. I'm just saying we've heard a lot of stories of guys being what we call shop poor, where they have this big, beautiful shop that they put all this money in. It seemingly look really great on Instagram, but they don't really have any money in the business because everything goes back into some shop that they don't own. And so we, we just, you know, Marty, I think what we try to do is caution guys, right? It, it's not to not do it. You know, guys and, and gals in this business or any business are going to do what they want to do. But there's a financial way to do it to make this all advantageous for yourself where you win just because of, of good financial decisions inside your business. So I'm a huge fan of the hybrid model. I mean, you and I have been preaching that the whole time. I think that's that's the beacon of if somebody's hell-bent on getting a shop, if you're hybrid, then there's no problem with the shop. Okay, cool. Uh, would love to uh, just go right into some closing thoughts. Uh, Vinny, let's go with you first. Um, you know, from your experience and what you've done, I want to give you a couple minutes to talk then to young detailers that are listening, give them some encouragement on how you've been able to make it through the tough times and still more tough times to come. It's not like you're out of the water, but you know, what is it that's driven you to this far and gotten you to this point? Because I'm telling you, you go through the forums, right? you go through comment sections, you go through a lot of stuff, right? There's detailers that are out there, right? Detailers that would just love everything that they want, that they're, they're cleaning cars, they got one guy, they're cleaning cars by themselves. They would love to have a shop. It's like the, the pinnacle of where it, it, right now in, in our industry, it's like the pinnacle to have a shop if you're a mobile detailer. So you've achieved a new status in a sense you have grown your business and you are expanding. So give some word of encouragement to those young guys, to those hustlers that are grinding it out in a mobile setting day in and day out that really want to have a, a shop in their belt. Oh, um, well, thank you for that. I don't feel that way. Like I've, I've reached a certain, but I appreciate it. Well, in a sense uh, you have. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of people that can't even make it four years as a mobile detailer, right? I mean, there's, a lot of them that go out of business, especially starting at that 15, 20, right? And then to be able to do what you did, it was a skill set, right, man? You should be, there's few people that can even own a business. So take the, you know, take the applause. It's a good thing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so I, I think that um, it, it's, it's learning patience. It's learning patience because through patience, you, you, you learn to learn. Um, and detailing, you're not going to grow if you don't like really learning and adapting and learning about new things and new techniques. And, you know, it's always evolving. So just be patient and, and don't compare yourself to anyone else. Um, make sure that you have a, uh, uh, a strategy um, in your business plan and in marketing as well. Um, but at the end of the day, my advice for beginner detailers out there is to just do it. Just grind it. Make sure that you're always doing a car. Um, if you got to charge cheap in the beginning, charge cheap, but make sure that you always got your hand in the car to get to the point where you can pick and choose what cars you put a hand on. Uh, so uh, be patient because you're not going to turn your business into 
um, the prime of the household in two months. Um, you're not going to get a amazing client list in six months. Um, be patient that when you're four years in, you can look back at organic growth and you can be like, Oh, okay. I'm proud of this. Like I, I created this and, and, uh, um, uh, I would, I would say selfishly stay away from forums, dive deep into podcasts and, um, and YouTube. Um, stay away from forums. There's too much negativity um, when you can just go into YouTube and podcast and literally pick what you want to um, uh, learn. And um, that's where I'll go is just keep learning and be patient because organically growth will come if you're, if you're doing good work. I kind of like that one myself. I'm a little. I didn't funny. hear it. Huh? I didn't hear it. Oh, I said I'm. I, I'm a little partial to that one. Podcast. Oh yeah. 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 No. I, look, I I remember when when you you guys would uh, like beat the nail on the head about three years. It's like a three year gap. I mean, three year mark where you really realize that if you're gonna keep doing this or not. Um, I remember there are a few episodes that you guys really talked a lot about early on. And when I really, like, I felt like overall I hit a three-year line, I was like, oh, okay, we're doing okay. We're doing good. You know, I'm not, I don't have to jump ship. I don't have to, to uh, figure out um, something else to do. So um, uh, if you have to put a number on it, you know, try and make it to that, that th third year in growth. Uh, but don't put, you know, I don't want to put a number on it. Just be okay with growth and, don't compare. Don't see a guy with a roops and be like, "Oh, I want." That's what I need to have, you know. Like, be okay with what you got. What you got is gonna do the job until you can afford the roopers. If you if you decide that you need it, you know. I bought one early on. I rarely use it now. I use my brioche because that thing is nice, you know. But some people some people don't like that, you know. For the Instagram, you gotta have the roopers, you know. I'm a big branding guy, so I'm not gonna say that's wrong. But I'm gonna say that when it comes to being a detailer and your profit and what you have in mind, just just be okay with being a minimalist because uh, you're going to realize that it's not how much cool stuff you can put in a van eventually, but how much can you get done with the least amount of stuff in that van, which is what I've which is what I've realized. How much less equipment can I have and still? Um, do a bang up job. Uh, so uh, you're gonna learn that you're gonna spend a lot of money on 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 those rabbit holes that you can dive in on cool looking products and cool tools and, and all of that. I did all of that and I'm not ashamed of it. But but um, now I'm at a point where like okay, let me get the job done and you're whatever I need now. to get the job you're done. A lot more focused in your in your process and what you're doing. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Yes, and that came with time with patience. You know, patience is a great word, man. I'm. I'm a huge patience guy my, myself. I mean, we got a lot of similar qualities, Vinny. Uh, so I really appreciate uh, the time and everything that, and thanks for all the info. Nick, when, when you think back to what we've all talked about, uh, you know, give us your closing thoughts as the old fucker, uh, you know, and uh, you've stayed in a very particular model and haven't yeah. really ventured out. You haven't done a lot of things that other people have done. Uh, give us your closing thoughts on, on why you've done it your way and what you think young detailers should learn from today's episode. Well, uh, you know, look, I, I think we're coming 
you know, pretty close to ending this series. And I think what guys need to realize is uh, I'm a big fan of unique. Facebook was unique. Amazon was unique. Unique leads to success. When guys keep doing what the guy down the street's doing, uh, that doesn't really lead to much. You know, you're really battling in the trenches way longer than you need to. You need to go out and sell a new type of detailing service in your area. Find something that's not there uh, and, and create a business that fills that void. You know, we, we've really become the one-stop shop for mobile. You know, we can do a show car level detail. We can coat with any coating on the planet. Uh, we test products for OEMs. We uh, do incredible numbers and maintenance. Uh, we do everything. We, we schedule service for, for clients' cars. Uh, you know, I'm not just a detail service like, you know, John down the street or Steve down the street. And so I think guys get caught up, you know, Vinny kept saying, you know, don't worry about what the other guy's doing. I never cared what everybody else believed. I just knew my beliefs. And I see so many guys that have adopted beliefs from some other person. You know, this is why I rail against people's thoughts on training. I got no problem you going to get training. But when your packages look like what that trainer told you to do, and that trainer is 3,000 miles from the town you're working in, that can't work. Okay, that just doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. You've got to find your unique angle to this to stick out for clients. And that's how you really build a business. I find too many guys are in the trenches for far too long because they don't sit down and say, okay, what's nobody doing around me? You know? If that guy polishes paint, you polish paint, the customer really doesn't know. Let's just be honest. The customer doesn't know what you're doing. They don't understand polishing paint. So they just think you both are the same. That's how, that's how you get so many bad buff jobs, right? It's because they think we're all the same. And so if you go out there and you perform unique services and come out in a unique way, I, I think you're going to find success. And uh, really great closing thoughts from both of you. Uh, for mine, I'm going to link back uh, to those moments when I decided when I should shut down some stuff and start furthering in the direction of, of detailing, right? And that's happened at a couple different parts of my career when I've had the, you know, something happens, right? So, you know, just because you made it to the next shop, right, the theory that you'll be there for the rest of your career is very slim, right? You most likely will move around a different, or like Nick says, really the best business thing to do, not detailing wise, but the best business thing to do, which could then also lead to detailing wise, but would be to own your own shop. I'm learning that too. And so that's a thought process through our head of how we can start scheduling to hopefully one day own our own warehouse. It would just make, you know, more sense. Uh, but when you're jumping out there, if you're a young guy, uh, I think there's there's two sides of it, right? If you're hustling, you got one guy that you're cleaning cars with, well, long-term play, what's the safer route? We don't know, but would it be to go into a shop setting or would it be to get a second car, bring in somebody else, fill up that with a team and try and learn how to schedule, learn how to sell, learn how to fill up that one first and then move on to another. And then maybe, you know, I don't know, there's so many different avenues to go, which is why, you know, Vinny, you had said, I would say 
last year was the best time ever to be a detailer. We said that through many of the past years of the podcast. 2020 is not exactly the best time ever to be a detailer, uh, really for anybody to be, uh, well, you know, we're all going through a bunch of craziness. We could all end out on this, uh, on the better side. We're not sure. Nick has that magic light switch in Vegas. He's going to flip on and everything's going to go back to normal. I wish. We're excited I wish. about it. Uh, but so anyway, whatever avenue you choose, it's going to take a lot of fucking work, right? Whether you're scrubbing tires, whether it's you're scrubbing carpets, whether it's polishing paint, whatever it is that you choose to do for your business, you're going to spend a lot of time on it. And it's more than 40 hours a week, right? It's more like 40 hours almost in a weekend for many of us. So whatever it is that you choose to do, understand that you have no guarantees and it will take everything out of you many times. And you will have to continue to claw all your way through. But hey, the good news is, well, Nick, like you and I had said the other day, hey, we live in America. It's the best place ever to own a business. It's the yep. best place you could be at. So for everybody that's doing it, hey, go team. And, uh, you know, guys, thank you so much for your time. Nick, thank you as always for the every Thanks, week. Thanks, guys. Spend time. Vinny, thank you thank for taking for having time. me, man. It's an honor. Thanks, Thanks guys. Hey, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs> Have a great night. See you, guys. See you, Marty. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, bro. Thank you. <laughs>